Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Clemson Covered Television. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. And, of course, you can catch our podcast at our web host at Podbean.com. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Tune in. It's the Wednesday nighter. Travis and I are going to be breaking down Alabama's game against Texas A&M, the home opener, forthcoming. Uh, talk a little bit about other SEC games before we get out of here as well, Travis. But uh, uh, we made it a little late for a home opener, Travis. September uh, 30th, as we sit here, October 3rd will be the day. Uh, but uh, arrives nonetheless, latest home opener in, in uh, Alabama history, maybe, right? I like it, man. You know why? Because it feels like it ought to be a home opener. You know, it doesn't feel like it's going to be 98 with a real feel of 113 on Saturday afternoon. Imagine if this was, say, September the 12th and you're playing in that that 230. Yeah, you know, you didn't like those those uh, afternoon games, those 11 a.m. games in the month of September. You just kind of fast forwarded past them. So, you know, out in Columbia. Uh, over the weekend, it was perfect. It felt great. It felt like there should be SEC football. And you know, I think the fans that do have the opportunity to access Saturday's game at Bryant-Denny Stadium, they're going to they're gonna enjoy that part of it. The Vegas man, Travis, 17 and a half, the number. I think I've seen 51, 52 maybe on that over-under. It's a pretty fat number. Jimbo Fisher, um, I don't know if Jimbo – of course, these coaches don't really care about the betting lines. I get it. But I don't know if Jimbo Fisher likes being as much of an underdog as he's considered to be, uh, whether you look at the points or not, as he comes into Tuscaloosa, Travis. Uh, your thoughts on that 17 and a, and a rusty hook? They didn't pass around the brass platoon to the boys in the big buildings in Houston and Dallas a few years back, Chase. For Jimbo to be a 17 and a half point dog in year three to the Crimson right. Tide. No, no is that safe not. to say, Chase? Is it yeah. safe to say that? Am I, I think safe you, there? I think you can etch that in uh, <laughs> uh, glass. When they passed yeah. around that brass platoon, you know, and they filled it up with 75 mil. I don't think that's what they thought they were buying, but that's where really? we're at. And uh, look, you know, in some ways, Jimbo's got some. Uh, a built-in safety net with the opt-outs. I mean, it would not be fair not to acknowledge some of the departures uh, that we've seen for this Texas A&M team on both sides Jamon of the ball. Osmond, the wide receiver, yeah. J- Jamon Osmond, you got to factor that in. Um, you got to consider Anthony Hines on defense. You know, even some depth that they've lost here um, to the opt-outs. Uh, uh, when you talk about the secondary, uh, they've had some – some situations there. Elijah Blades, you know, another starter from last year's game with Alabama in the last few days has announced that he's going to go ahead and put himself in the 2021 NFL draft. So it has been uh, a less than ideal run up to this season for Jimbo in terms of the team he thought he had back on, say, March the 12th and the team he's actually going to bring in here to Tuscaloosa. 
Travis, I don't keep up with, I don't need to anymore, never did necessarily, but I don't follow Texas A&M recruiting well enough to say whether or not Jimbo's getting it done on the recruiting trail or not, but I can tell you this, there ain't enough star power on this team for being the coach he is in the place he is, and that means one of two things, either the recruiting's there and the development ain't or the recruiting ain't there. It's one or the other, maybe a little bit of both. But look, Texas A&M doesn't have five guys you fear, and that's what and, and that's where they got to be, and then some if they're going to compete in the division. They've got some. You know, I'm doing my matchups piece for BamaOnline.com that'll drop on Thursday on the website and. You know, in a couple of those matchups, there are former five-star recruits. One of those matchups with the uh, A&M defensive ends that you're going to see. Michael Clemens, a junior college transfer. He's a rare dude in that he's in his fourth year at Texas A&M, Chase, as a junior college transfer. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. Uh, but he he was a freshman. He was a one and out at a JC. So right. uh, went to A&M, played a year, had an injury, redshirted. Um, and now he's uh, he's a he's a graduate at this point, actually. But DeMarvin Leal is a defensive end that was a five star in the 2019 cycle. He's going to be in that matchup as well with Alex Leatherwood and Evan Neal, the Alabama offensive tackle. So that's what I'm going to have my eyes on. And also in the secondary, uh, because, you know, with Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, that's going to be pretty much an every week thing. Uh, Texas A&M is going to start a true freshman corner in Jalen Jones. who was a five-star in the 2020 cycle, 6'2", 205. So they've had some hits uh, also on the defensive line, won a couple of battles, even against Alabama. Most recently, McKinley Jackson is a true freshman defensive tackle. You're going to see Saturday afternoon from the state of Mississippi. That was Alabama A&M down the stretch of this latest uh, recruiting period. And, and A&M won that one And McKinley Jackson, Saw a good bit of playing time against Vanderbilt on Saturday night. So there have been some wins, but just relative to even what Alabama's been able to do in the state of Texas, right? We talk about that matchup with the wide receivers. Jalen Waddell is a Houston guy, you know? So you you think Jimbo would like to have Jalen Waddell at the wide receiver position with Osmond out and really the, the lack of playmakers that the Aggies have right now when you talk about outside the hashes? For Kellen Mond to dial up, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it. It'd be a completely different team. So, yeah, Jimbo Fisher's he's had his flashes here and there. As a, as a whole, I think if you look across Jimbo and someone, uh, Texas A&M's entry into the Southeastern Conference has not gone well at all uh, from that perspective. Uh, offensively, a couple guys to look out for with Texas A&M, of course, Kellen Mond. Neither one of us are huge Mond guys, Travis. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, uh, maybe maybe one of the best two or three players in that offense at the running back position. Jalen Weidermeyer at tight end had a pretty solid year last year for the Aggies. Again, though, Mond being inconsistent, as we know he can be, particularly in, in bigger games against tougher defenses, where's – I don't know where this, you know, the, the firepower just, yeah. it just didn't there. It just didn't there. Well, you know this, Jimbo loves him some tight ends. I mean, he always has. Going back to the 
Florida State. Nick O'Leary at Florida State with Jameis Winston. You remember that combination? They were yeah. pretty prolific in Tallahassee. Um, and Weidermeyer is is an impressive sophomore. Had a couple of touchdown catches against Alabama last October out in College Station. So he's certainly going to be a focal point in the passing game. You're right about Isaiah Spiller. Kind of a wild card on Saturday to watch is Anias Smith. I watched the the Vanderbilt A&M game in its entirety here in the last couple of days. And Anias Smith is one of those Kenyon Drake types. Played wide receiver mostly last year as a true freshman. They have since converted him largely to a running back. And he, in fact, started ahead of Spiller against Vanderbilt last Saturday night at running back. Different guy, again, 5'10", 190, but dynamic. And a guy that you can get the ball to on some easy touches and he can make some plays. You can run some speed option with him, with Kellen Mond, do some things like that uh, to get him the ball in space. So he will be interesting to watch in this matchup, especially when you consider Dylan Moses and Christian Harris at the linebacker positions for Alabama. But yeah, when you talk about playmakers in this A&M offense right now, it's mostly between the hashes. It's tight end, it's running back, it's quarterback. There's just not enough right now to convince Nick Saban, Pete Golding, that defensive staff that, you know what, you're going to have to help out on this guy. You know, you're going to, this is Mike Evans basically over here. Uh, You know, this is one of those playmakers that Texas A&M has had. Christian Kirk, one of those kind of guys. This team doesn't have that chase on the outside. You have to jingle a few ice cubes to make it through that (laughs) A&M Vanderbilt game, 17 to 12. Well, you know, I, it was a, it was a, it was an awful one-two punch because I went from the debate to that. Oof. So, I, I, yeah, that yeah. was kind of a tie. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that that uh, you needed a couple of shots before you even got yeah. in the game. Man. I needed some black tar heroin, I think, after all that. But um, no, it was it was. Uh, it, it, here's my thing with watching A and M in the opener, is that my concern for Jimbo is kind of the same one. I had for Kevin Sumlin, if I'm being honest, when I watched A&M against Vanderbilt, some of the guys that I know have been in that program for two or three years, forget about Kellen Mond, because your expectation with Jimbo, the quarterback whisperer, was that Mond would take big strides, right, at the position. Hasn't really happened even with Jimbo's guy, his his guy at quarterback. But, man, when I look at some of these other positions for A&M, I don't, I don't see it. You know, I I thought the first week in SEC football, you tell me what you think. I thought in a lot of instances, as much as anything, you could kind of tell who really did everything they could during this goofy offseason to try to be as ready as they could be once they finally got the opportunity to play. I thought there were a couple of three teams. LSU didn't look ready to me. A&M didn't look ready to me. Ole Miss um, on defense anyway. Ole Miss, Ole Miss kind of has what it has, so you could almost understand that. But I'm talking about teams we were talking about in the top ten, and A&M and LSU just looked looked almost thrown together watching them in those games on Saturday. Yeah, rough for sure. So yeah. Alabama really quick, Travis. Uh, a couple guys that you, whether it be a, a veteran um, who's who's looking for a breakout year, like, for instance, a LeBron Ray or a younger guy like a, a Malachi Moore in, in the secondary. Uh, 
who on in this Alabama lineup after seeing him against Missouri in week one are you most looking forward to seeing okay is there carryover uh in in week two well I mean you got to think about Will Anderson right I mean true freshman starter at Jack linebacker and you think about the challenge that you're going to have this week with Mond and his feet and some of those same principles that Missouri tried to introduce to Alabama that really they didn't have any success with for the vast majority of that game last Saturday, going to see some of the same stuff from A&M this week, or at least that was probably the plan Jimbo had. Now, after he's seen uh, the Missouri tape, he may make some adjustments to that, but you know, I think Will Anderson has to be at the top of the list um, from that perspective. Uh, you know, offensively, I think you could look more at a depth perspective and maybe John Mechie is the third wide receiver for Alabama, but most of it's still going to be on defense. Uh, and, and A&M's going to be, as you know, a lot of two tight end stuff, even with some of the, the injuries they've had. They lost Baylor Cup, their other sort of co-starter at tight end to an injury. You know, watching them against Vanderbilt, they Jimbo's sticking with a lot of two tight ends. So, you know, that's going to not only put Will Anderson out there a lot, if not throughout the game, pretty much, you're going to have a second outside linebacker out there. So really you could talk about edge defenders in general for Alabama in this matchup. For sure. And along those lines, sometimes when it's a super athletic quarterback, a guy who can really hurt you on the run and and likes to bail and likes to pick up first downs with his feet, as you see more and more of in college football these days, you see defensive coordinators coach the line look don't necessarily come with your hair on fire and give them a lane rush the quarterback shrink the pocket but maintain control uh, of of lanes against Kellen Mond do you see Golding just turning them loose or do you see more of a umbrella approach with the rush you know I I think it depends on how you feel about your pass rush uh, as a whole you know, if you feel like, and we heard from Nick Saban on Wednesday night, it sounds like Christian Barmore is going to be available this week. So if that's the case and you're able to get more of an inside pass rush, let's say you go with Barmore and LeBron Ray as your inside guys in some obvious passing situations and you're able to get some pressure that way, um, you know, maybe you, you still allow Will Anderson to kind of do his thing off the edge, but you know, this is a guy in Kellen Mond, each of the last two meetings with Alabama, he's rushed for 90 or more yards. So, you know, that's going to be a, a part of it. But if you had to choose, you absolutely want to keep Kellen Mond in the pocket because the consistency as a passer from that place, from that spot, hasn't hasn't really evolved. And again, whereas we've justifiably critiqued Kellen Mond over the years, I think this year, what I've seen initially, at least, is that he's got a big help problem on the outside. You know, if if you can kind of take away those wide receivers with man coverage and then commit help to Weidermeyer uh, and, uh, you know, the backs, uh, that's going to make your job a lot easier with Mond, I think. You know, you never hear coaches say this about an opposing quarterback pregame. Occasionally, they let it slip postgame. But sometimes, at the end of the day, if you fear the guy more as a runner than a passer, then you'd rather him, you'd rather him throw it than run it. 
Yeah, and, you know, I watched that, again, watching A&M and Vanderbilt. First two series of that game, first play of the first two series, A&M goes to Weidermeyer. You know, so that tells you, you know, what you can expect on Saturday afternoon. You know, the, the tight end is very much going to be a big part of it. Again, a couple of complimentary type wide receivers. Um, but but after the way you saw Josh Job play in the opener to go along with Patrick Sertan, um, you, you're not going to have a lot of concerns about playing just straight up man coverage against this A&M you know, wide receiver core and, you know, maybe Malachi Moore at the start position. If I'm sure, you know, if you're Jimbo, you're going to look to, to get that matchup and you might even consider, we talked about Smith playing more at the running back position. Maybe you drop him into the slot with Spiller on the field together and, uh, you know, try to work some matchups there as well, because you're still going to see Smith from time to time line up at wide receiver. So, the bottom line is, I guess, Jimbo's going to have to get creative with the personnel he does have. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. And we're going to thank a couple of sponsors for keeping us on the pod waves really quickly here, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, the former Alabama football player, has the best dental practice going in all of Tuscaloosa, a professional staff. Uh, doing outstanding work, whether it's porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, teeth whitening services. That's getting more popular now. A lot of people like uh, that teeth whitening thing. Oral surgery, whatever you might need dentally, give them a call at 752-3506. Also, you can make appointments at NorthRiverDentist.com. They're going to get you in and out of there on a routine cleaning in under an hour. That's including your weight. It's a phenomenally uh, quick, painless, and quality experience from North River Dental Associates. They're great with dealing with the insurance folks as well. Uh, give them a call again, 752-3506. going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. If you are going to be in town for Alabama, Texas A&M this weekend, and maybe you're going to be situated there in downtown Tuscaloosa for much of the weekend, well, no better place to be. Then Heat Pizza Bar, they're going to take care of you with those outstanding pies. So many great ones from which to choose. Great bar service there as well. They have the signature craft cocktails, which you can't beat. Uh, plenty of room, too. Social distancing guidelines for sure will be followed. But they also have that outdoor seating area right there at Government Plaza. That's going to come in extremely handy this weekend at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Also want to tell you about Southern Ale House in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You go across the, the bridge there on McFarland from Tuscaloosa towards Northport. Just up there on your left before you get to Indian Hills Country Club, you're going to find Southern Ale House. Speaking of the outdoor seating, they've got that for you as well there at Southern Ale House. They can take care of your pregame needs. Maybe you need some roasted wings for that tailgate or that get-together, that party of yours. They can do that for you there at Southern Ale House. Great sandwiches, great burgers, great plate dinners and lunches. Daily specials when it comes to the sides as well. Those bacon ranch tots, handmade out of this world. Everything made in-house there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. 
Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We'll go around the SEC for week two, uh, at least in the league anyway, uh, and talk about a couple of these games. Travis Auburn playing in Athens at Georgia. We got to lead off with that one for sure. That's certainly the game that'll probably have the most intrigue in, in the entire league, at least nationally. Uh, a game that we're not used to seeing it in uh, late September. That's one you, you, you kind of jot down for uh, early to mid-November every year, right? It's, it's, it's weird seeing that game this early. Yeah, it's going to be weird for those fans not to you know, be bundled up when they go into Sanford Stadium on Saturday night. I've, I've been to some Auburn-Georgia's, Auburn-Georgia games in Athens uh, in mid to late November that were just more than a little bit chilly. Uh, I think this sets up pretty well for Auburn, getting this Georgia team in week two as opposed to, say, week 10, as it previously has. And I say that because what we saw from Georgia at Arkansas was a quarterback situation that was anything but settled and a run game that couldn't pick up the slack against an Arkansas defense that was expected to really give it up. Uh, in in every area to that Georgia offense. So JT Daniels, according to Kirby Smart, has been cleared to go uh, this week. So will we see the USC transfer as early as Saturday night, or will it be Stetson Bennett? Will we see a return to Dewan Mathis? Again, it's perfect timing for Auburn on the schedule, but man, given Auburn's history uh, in Athens, not great. Not great. And when you talk about Gus Malzahn between road games at Georgia and at Alabama, Athens and Tuscaloosa, he's 0-6 uh, in those venues. So prime opportunity for Gus to get it done on Saturday night, Chase. You know, it goes without saying that these empty stadiums or near-empty stadiums really favor the, the, the visitor, obviously, or at least favor maybe not the right word, but uh, – uh, make things a bit easier on the visitor, shall we say. You saw what Mississippi State did on the road at LSU. Obviously, that crowd no help to the Tigers. And you look at a game like this, uh, yeah, Georgia playing at home, but Auburn goes in there, and uh, they don't have to – they don't got to worry about 80,000 dogs, Travis, screaming down their ears. Not even Ugga. Ugga's not allowed on the sideline either, by the way. They took him off. He could – I guess they couldn't fit him with a mask or something, but uh, can't even get the doghouse on the sideline out there. I mean, it's another reason it sets up fine for Auburn. Yeah, no COVID K-9, I guess you could say, at Georgia on Saturday. And, you know, if you're Georgia, you feel good about having the edge at quarterback. Bo Nix sort of under the radar with a solid performance against Kentucky last Saturday. Seth Williams, a proven playmaker. I think Auburn, though, is a lot like Georgia. What's that run game going to be able to produce against that Georgia defense? So playing at home and still having that defense that Georgia has makes some sense in a, in a few ways that the dogs are still a seven-point uh, home favorite. But again, it, it, if, you're, if you're Auburn, you, you couldn't ask for a, a better setup for this than, than the one you got this time around couple of SEC East games that we'll touch on really quick before we get out of here, Travis. South Carolina on the road in Gainesville, Missouri on the road at Tennessee. Uh, a little bit of a kind of couple of pecking order games right there. Uh, Florida and Tennessee, the home teams, you'd expect them to be favored. You'd expect them to win. But look, I, I won't be surprised. 
I won't be surprised if Missouri finds a way to get past Tennessee. South Carolina beating Ooh. Florida would, would be a little more of a surprise to me. What do you think? Yeah, those two, South Carolina going on the road as an 18-and-a-half-point underdog and, and getting the win, that, that would surprise me. Um, you know, South Carolina just feels like Florida with Will Muschamp there. It just feels like it just feels like that that offense has has been trying to run in quicksand uh, since his arrival. Same sort of issue that Will had at Florida. Um, so yeah, I think the Gators will be just fine in that home opener. Tennessee's interesting because Kate Mays, the Georgia transfer, on Wednesday had his waiver approved by the SEC office, so he's now good to go. And when you insert Kate Mays into that offensive line, you're talking about a group that's going to rival Alabama up front. Um, and, oh, by the way, Kate Mays, the Georgia transfer, goes back to Athens a week from Saturday because that's where Tennessee heads uh, a week from Saturday. That'll be a fun matchup uh, when you're Georgia coming off Auburn. Uh, and then you get Tennessee the very next week. Um, also, in, in keeping up with those uh, intra-conference waivers. Joey Gatewood, the Auburn transfer to Kentucky, he was right. approved as well. So, you know, that could impact that Kentucky quarterback situation. Terry Wilson coming off the knee injury from last year, had some issues in that loss to Auburn on the road last week. So, you know, still some things to sort of figure out at some key spots around the league. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us for the Sunday nighter when we break down Alabama's game against the Texas A&M Aggies on the backside. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.